everyone, I'm Phoebe and this is Gemma and this is Money Can't Buy You Class, a podcast on the intersection of reality television and critical theory. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to all and to all a good night. Yes, that's right. This is the Christmas episode. Um, Last episode we recorded and released um thanks for those who've listened we were talking about kind of like sex in the city and reality tv and this feeling of this kind of like interconnected cinematic universe almost like the marvel cinematic universe um reading those kind of themes the things that were through lines through all of these trends and media and how at one point they might have been separate and how now you know they're kind of one in the same or they're feeding off of each other and some content right now called Real Housewives of the North Pole, which is, um, or it's just called The Housewives of the North Pole, which is a new movie. It's a narrative, which is like a scripted movie with Kyle Richards. And we started thinking about like how that really feels like uh, a real example of the kind of cinematic universe, things being ever connected. And so we figured why not roll this into one festive episode and talk about uh, two other epic classic 2000s Christmas movies um love actually of course and the holiday as the late Joan Didion who died earlier today yes. said R.I.P. Joan Didion I know she got what did she say it was like we uh we tell stories to live we tell yeah. stories so that we can live yes that's like her that's like that the strand they, they that's on like all their magnets or whatever but I think that that quote um actually feeds a lot into what we were thinking about today about the 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 fantasy cinematic universe which not only extends throughout the narrative structure the storytelling structures of reality television which is the stories we tell in order 
you know, to, to live publicly or in order to make our existence narrativized to order to make them marketable. Mm-hmm. But uh, it also then slips into a marriage between the real and the, and the fictional. Yes. Um, and then even, you know, we can, uh, you know, they're also between Love Actually and The Holiday, there are a few crossovers as well. The first being that in Love Actually, which was made... 2003 and then the holiday was 2006 yeah so uh love actually at one point like the the stepdad is like do you want to see a real movie about love this is the titanic and they show the classic like rose and jack scene Mm -hmm. and then you go to the holiday and there's kate winslet single and not the cute hot one no you know it's a very different role but i think it was interesting that she's like in the in the fantasy world of love actually she's like the pinnacle of love but then in a different type of way she's the pinnacle of love in in the holiday right and so yeah i think to start i think we should situate like any good scholar i think we should situate ourselves in the time frame we're in so yes. love actually came out in 2003 the holiday came out in 2006 and love actually famously has um you know, an homage to 9-11 at the beginning. It's Hugh Grant. When I want to feel, think about love, I go to the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport and watching people embrace. And, you know, as far as he's concerned, when the towers were about to go down, people were not sending messages of hate, but messages of love. And then the movie starts First with of love all- actually is all around us. <laughs> okay. I just want to talk about that moment because that really hit me. It's a big moment. We it, we must talk about it. First of all, how does he know that people are sending messages of love and not of hate? Also, that is like, that it is so soon. Like, it, even in the context two years. of the airport, it's two years after. And he's literally being like, the silver lining of 9-11 <laughs> was that... Now we know that people that love Trump's hate, you know, it's, I don't know, that was just like, that really made the movie, like, strangely political, but like, in the most, in the most, like, bipartisan way, you know what I mean? Well, it gets to be political also because it's British. Like, there's, there's some ability to, like, comment on global politics that, like, because it is a political, it actually kind of is a political movie. Like, it's very anti-America in that one scene with Hugh Grant and this sleazy Billy Bob Thornton Bush character. Um, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah, you're right. Bill Clinton. But Bush, Bill Clinton, they're making an argument that neoliberalism blends the Democrat and the Republican American parties anyway. Right. Um, Also, I'm not going to assume I'm going to recap Love Actually, because if you haven't seen that, I don't know what the frick is going on with you. Phoebe didn't see it, but that's okay because she's Jewish. So she doesn't have it's she on both sides. I'm Jewish on both sides. Yeah. Phoebe's really Jewish. So, of course, she hasn't seen Love Actually. She gets a pass. Anybody else who's half Jewish or not Jewish who hasn't seen Love Actually, get your shit together. (laughs) Um. Anyway, yeah. So the 9-11 moment too feels to me like a grounding place we can kind of start to think about this time period and like the creation, the kind of media that came out of this time period, because I feel like it's incredibly formative to the media we know now and especially reality TV. So, you know, this kind of like post 9-11 reality television, cheesy rom-coms. I mean, it was the era of that. 
um, you know, the holiday is Nancy Myers, who is directed, who wrote, she wrote it and directed and produced it. And Nancy Myers is literally the queen of the 2000s rom-com. Um, you know, she did the famous something's got to give. She did father of the bride. She did it's complicated. She did what women want. And she did the parent trap. Nancy Myers really crafted a specific feel of a movie that then was like copied over and over and over and over again. Um, and definitely is what like the real Housewives of the North pole is, is copying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 9-11 was really the turning point of the 20th to the 21st century, you know, Mm -hmm. the age of technology. And then there is this like incredibly symbolic moment where, I mean, the Twin Towers, that was like the cell signal, you know what I right. mean? It was, it was, it was like one of the, the centers of, of Wall Street, mm-hmm. right? It was this like huge technological um, innovation or, or symbol and it, it crashed. You know, everything fell down. New York, disaster, terrorist attack. I was actually there, you know, you, you know that, yeah. No, and I, I saw the, the, I was literally two blocks away watching it happen in kindergarten. So that's yeah. like really really insane um to grow up and and then right I I lived one block away so my entire life was on my first day fourth day kindergarten the towers fell and then when I graduated from college the it was finally rebuilt so my entire life was like this whole this literal like American graveyard um but yeah but I think that 9-11 it, it was it was also a global event and it was also the type of event which I don't know I don't want to say it I mean I guess it serves as a trope but I think that it, I'm also just thinking about like airport security because oh, I yeah. think that is also just like the huge trope of the rom-com is running to the gate you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> And that's actually a point uh, that's part of love actually where the kid wants to run to the gate but he can't because of 9-11 because of airport security and Heathrow but then he does it anyway so it's like I feel like that was like those two points kind of went hand in hand because it's like not only did 9-11 impact you know everything globally on like many different scales of varying importance um, but it but it also made the uh, like romantic comedy articulation of love impossible. I feel like maybe we should spend some time on that. Like, what is it about rom-coms at Christmas time? And, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about. It. It's kind of like Christmas is about, you know, like magic in a lot of ways, like the kind of Santa Claus myth, the kind of there's a there's a repetitive theme in these movies in like Love Actually and The Holiday. Anything can happen. In the holiday, the Santa Ana winds start to blow and Jack Black says, you know, they say all bets are off. Anything could happen when the Santa Ana start to blow. Love actually is kind of like seize the moment, you know, like it's Christmas time. So you have to tell people you love them. There's a real presence of that. And what I also was thinking about that is how the kind of Christmas theme plays around with like time in these movies, like Love actually is structured via a countdown to Christmas. It starts, you know, 14 days to Christmas, 12 days. And as the Christmas gets closer, the drama of the plot thickens and then resolves once it's Christmas time. And in Housewives of the North Pole, Kyle Richards similarly 
tracks the movie's time with her kind of advent calendar. So like the countdown to Christmas is like an adherence to this kind of like dailiness that we've talked about a lot in like reality Mm. TV. And one of my favorite things Phoebe's come up with, which is kind of this like the taunt of keeping up with the Kardashians, like that you're, you have to keep up, you have to stay aware. um, You have to kind of follow Kardashian time, which is another conversation, but then that's kind of coupled with this funny collapsing of time in this kind of magical sense. And also this kind of like every day is Christmas with you, which is like the lyrics of all these songs. And that kind of like collapses the time on itself. But I mean, that's, that's me going like big conceptual, also a little cheeky. I know we're talking about (laughs) actually here, but I do find that it's kind of interesting to think about. No, it is. And I, that's like the point of this podcast. It's the, yeah. it's the Christmas spirit. It's the marriage of the high and the low. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a Christmas miracle that we're able, we've been able to do this for so many episodes. Um, right. And I, right. Oh my God. I have two things. I have, uh, I have one thing. Cause I kept thinking about like, are there any like Hanukkah rom-coms? Are there any Jews? And I was like, the closest we have is probably Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> First of all, the original is in Yiddish, <laughs> the most romantic language on the planet. <laughs> and then, second of all, everyone either dies in the end or is like poor and starving because right. the Cossacks are trying to kill them. Um, so that's that's the Jewish one. It's like keep it real, folks. Love <laughs> love is more about society and about right. economic status. And the persecution of the Jews, you know, we have to we have to remember the, the point of uh, of Judaism here, which is constant and aggressive persecution, um, which you know is also a political thing because uh, you know Fiddler on the Roof for many is uh, is a further impetus to go uh, donate to some weird IDF Mossad bullshit thing, but actually the miracle of Hanukkah is that there was enough oil to last for it eight a, days it's a beautiful miracle one yeah yeah but it's a miracle about survival you know yes. like the it's the miracle of hanukkah is that the jews as always were being persecuted um and the maccabees went out to get more oil and they left the woman and the children in the synagogue and <laughs> there's only enough oil in the menorah or in the candelabra to burn for one day, but it burned for eight. So they were able to keep warm and make food and not die. I wanted to ask you where the conflation between Christmas and romantic love came from. Like what is with the morality of Christmas? Cause also Christmas is about the, the, the birth of Christ, but mm-hmm. Christ was also not born, right? Christ, was, Christ is a Pisces. No, no, he rose at on Easter. Oh, he wrote, right, the resurrection. No, Christ oh, wait, was no. born, Jesus was born on Christmas and they, the, I'm going to sound, I took Sunday school for years, but you know, the people visited him. <laughs> I forget their names. The three kings. <laughs> the three kings visited him and they gave, you know, the frankincense and myrrh and it was the, you know, the immaculate conception the angel gabriel came down i played angel gabriel three years in a row at the pageant and you know the romantic love is just a total hallmark rom-com construction um Mm -hmm. also i'm right jesus was not born on december 25th that is simply a myth where when when was he born i'm a terrible christian 
Episcopalian. No, I mean, Jesus was, um, well, obviously Jesus is symbolized by the fish, so he has to be a water sign. And a lot of astronomers have done research into it, and he's actually probably born in June, June 17th. Cancer. Cancer. No, Gemini. Oh, Gemini? Well, whatever. (laughs) Air sign. I'm not an astronomer, but um, astrologer. But the astronomers, based on, you know, they use the, um, like, I think the wise men were talked about a certain star that led them to Jesus. And that star in whatever ancient history, that star would have been only apparent in that era on what we now know of as June 17th. But that also, you know, obviously, like leap year wasn't a thing there. We have to take into account so many different things. But December 25th is another time fabrication, keeping up with the myth of Christmas. Anyway, keep going. But so these these movies have become like a part of the Christmas ritual for me. Um, so I think in that way, the notion of romantic love has become part of an, an under, a cultural understanding of like the Christmas ritual of like ways to feel. It's like getting yourself into an emotional place by watching these movies. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's also, I mean, maybe it has something to do with like Jesus's love. You know, yeah. these are all like, you know, Jesus loved everyone and Jesus uh was even nice to the prostitutes you know and Jesus before he was like Jesus Jesus falls in love with Mary Magdalene at least in the Scorsese uh uh uh, whatever his Christ movie which is really fantastic and Willem Dafoe plays a fantastic complicated Jesus Christ himself Jesus was a cross bear yes he was um, anyway, what am I trying to say? Right. So I'm, I'm trying to think about why uh, the, these, these romantic comedies, these incredibly famous romantic comedies are about, they're not about family. They're about the beginnings of new family. You know what yeah. I mean? Because what happens? Like you fall in love, kissing in a tree, have a baby, have a baby in a baby carriage. Right. So it's like, it's about this beginning of the love with the birth of Christ. You know, they're all aligned in the ritual of beginnings in December and then New Year's follows. Right. It's also about, it's also about loss. You know, love actually is a movie that is very grounded in loss. You know, Liam Neeson's character has just lost his wife and his stepson has just lost his mother it opens with a wedding and then a funeral so you know there's this beginning of this wedding with Kira Knightley and then there's the funeral of Liam Neeson's late wife and it's about Emma Thompson's you know marriage to Alan Rickman deteriorating as Alan Rickman has an affair it's about Andrew Lincoln who's that guy who's the hot art dealer guy who loves Kara Knightley, but can't have her. It's about his loss. And then his, his trying to tell her that he loves her and he doesn't need her. So it's about Laura Linney's loss of ability to really have a full life because she's kind of so enmeshed in her family during a time of loss. Like what comforts you is like these early rituals and are your, our family and are these, are these kind of dr- magical thinking scenarios about things working out right but you're right because there is actually a very political strain to that movie because there's and it's a very like england versus america yeah. because even like that one 
cheap British guy who like can't get laid in England. <laughs> he goes to Madison, Wisconsin yeah. or Milwaukee. He goes Milwaukee. to Milwaukee. Um, oh my God. He goes to Milwaukee. Milwaukee's in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Okay. So he goes to Milwaukee and he like meets these like very slutty girls at this bar one of them is Denise Richards. That's my favorite character in the movie, Denise Richards. She um, is just mwah, chef's kiss. I know, she's so perfect. But it's like the American- And January like American- Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love Denise Richards because, again, of the Housewives crossover. Um, and she's just like this full-on sex symbol, no matter where she is, except when she's denying her sex with Brandy Glanville. Anyway, um, <sighs> but- um, but right, like there's so, there are these little jokes throughout the movies, but also like America's like portrayed as just like a bunch of like horny, stupid people, which I guess like the Brits think is, I mean, first of all, it's true. Like Americans are not great, um, but I, it's just funny that like there's a movie that's so popular in the United States as well, which is like fully just taking digs, like dig after yeah. dig at the American political system and American politics in general. Yeah. And also the British thing I feel like is really important to Christmas. So in kind of like shifting towards our conversation about like the cinematic universe, kind of returning to that now that we've done a little history lesson. Um, um, Christianity and love actually. Exactly. (laughs) Um, The holiday is obviously, like I was saying, Nancy Myers production. So I think within, even within her- A Jew. But within, yes, right. So Nancy Myers is Jewish and like within her oeuvre, the holiday exists within the Nancy Myers universe. Um, And the movie kind of relies on the referencing of Hollywood, like of new and old Hollywood. You know, Cameron Diaz plays like the top level executive producer her boyfriend writes scores. It's a very 2000s depiction of LA where like everyone's by making a movie and Jack Black is a composer. And then Kate Winslet is from this like sleepy town in Britain, again, England. Kate Win- and Kate Winslet kind of has this childlike wonder at living in at LA and her friend says, oh, how have fun in Lotus land. Um, and, but in talking about the Judaism crossover, Nancy Myers often has a Jewish figure in her movies. And in this movie, Kate Winslet kind of finds an unlikely friend, which is this old Jewish man who's kind of senile and he's like a very famous writer and he has been forgotten and kind of left behind by the new world. Um, And they have like a Hanukkah gathering. I don't know if you wanted to speak on this at all, Phoebe. Thank you. First of all, I have so much to say. First of all, I really wanted Kate Winslet to end up with the old Jewish man. I would have killed for that. Classic Woody Allen. (laughs) Make it a real Jew movie. Um, (laughs) um, But also, uh, yeah, yet another character based on my family. Just kidding. Just kidding. But it could have been. It could have been. Um, (laughs) Um. and one of the I think his name is Arthur Abbott yeah one of his friends one of the old guys is Larry David's dad (laughs) yeah is the guy who plays Larry David's dad in Curb Your Enthusiasm which I love what a what a fantastic actor um very Jewish but I don't know I mean I love that part I love that like one of the you know you know because he um Arthur Abbott I'm I don't know the actor's name so I'm just gonna call her Arthur Abbott 
he's a screenwriter mm-hmm. and he recommends he's like this brilliant screenwriter and part of what he does in the movie is he kind of shows you what happens in a movie you know he tells her what a meet cute means yes you know and then we recognize they're in a blockbuster or like we recognize like the meet cute of like the of Hugh Grant showing up drunk at Kim and Diaz's house you know what I mean so he walks us Dude through law. structure oh yeah Dude Dude law. law sorry it's okay. um sorry uh he walks us through the narrative structure of what a blockbuster movie is because that's his his role he has set the stage for it and he even uh he 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 shows all these movies to kate winslet's character and she's so inspired by them she's completely inspired by this old hollywood cinematic narrative that she um i don't know and he tells her you're not a best friend you're a leading lady yeah. You know? And she's like, so, and she says like, oh, my ther- I've been seeing a therapist for seven years and she's never explained something to me so clearly before. Exactly. And that's what happens. You know what I mean? Cameron right. Diaz is obviously the leading lady. She immediately has sex with the guy. Yeah. But Kate Winslet starts out as the best friend and then she becomes the leading lady. You know, she right. ends up with Jack Black. And she Cameron Diaz's him. character creates trailers, creates like big time blockbuster trailers and they kind of are referencing like Christmas movie season where there's like always a crazy action movie that comes out and it says Christmas day. Um, And she has this like tick where she, when she gets anxious, she starts hearing a reel of her life that she's living in the movie as a blockbuster trailer. Yeah. Her self narrativization is like in like, this Christmas, Cameron Diaz falls in love <laughs> with a man. There's that, there's that hilarious scene where um, Jack Black and, oh my God, I actually just realized something where Jack Black meets up with Kate Winslet with the two Frappuccinos, which play a big part in Houses of the North Pole. Oh, yeah. Right? The Frappuccino with the extra cream. Yes. Anyway, so that's that's probably a, a little nod. But he goes through and Jack Black is like, he's like a dork. He's like an adorable dork. Um, and he starts singing all the songs from like the best movies and he gets to The Graduate. And he starts singing some like Simon. I forgot what Simon is. He's used to you, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he starts singing like another one. And then you there's a cuts to like Dennis uh, Hoffman is like in the robe behind him. And he just goes, Ugh, idiot. <laughs> He's like, can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, can't go anywhere. So, Which is another nod to like just... LA life, you know. But also how like, but it's also about like the, I mean, The Graduate is like a famous, I guess, precursor to the rom-com. I mean, it, in, in and of itself, it's like one of the most famous movies ever. But it is a story that I think a lot of, it, it is a love story. And it's a love story that has the same cinematic ending of, Dennis Hoffman breaks into the church and he calls off the wedding and then blah 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 and they live happily ever after um or not but you know so so the graduate is set sets really does set a certain type of stage for what's also to come and then to see Dennis Hoffman be like can't go anywhere it's just like first of all this movie is kind of operating in reality right you know if we have all these actors who are playing themselves but it also is just kind of like Nancy Myers being like yeah no I know that this movie is kind of stupid but also if you think about it there are certain types of of reference that that can I don't know that can situate it 
She, yeah. I think that part of what she's saying is like, there's a history to what I'm doing and there's a reason to do it like I'm doing it. And I even just, can I say one more thing? Of course. There's that, um, there's that great, uh, sh- the, the, the opening shot of the holiday. First of all, I, I just like the holiday a lot more than love actually. Sorry. It's a great but- movie. It's pretty good, but the first shot is uh, the, you know, the big makeout scene uh, between like this gorgeous guy and this gorgeous girl, but then the camera pans away and it shows that Jack Black is actually making the score Mm -hmm. to that movie. And then that's like the same, like really ridiculous rom-com music throughout the movie. But it reminded me of the opening shot of Robert Altman's The Player, Mm -hmm. where the the opening shot is the can't is is like this tapestry or something uh, with uh, with like people making a movie, but then it pans away to become the first shot. Like you can hear someone call cut and then you, you know, the camera, so the camera is literally moving away like literally panning away from its original like like fictional structure and then similar to the player I think that the holiday also ends in this completely over the top romantic fantasy situation that I think is kind of like a joke or a nod to the beginning where the camera actually then goes back in and goes look look at this it actually can end up the same way that it started right and isn't isn't the graduate isn't there something like that in the graduate isn't the last scene of that didn't the director like call cut? Yeah, well, that's a fantastic last scene. What happens is that at the end, like Dennis Hoffman ends up with a girl, and they're so excited, and they shoot, they run out of the wedding, and they're holding hands. They go and they're on the, the bus, bus, yeah, to run away, and they're holding hands. And then all of a sudden, the camera starts to pan away, and you see them kind of like let go of their hands and look out the window, and you kind of realize, oh, like that was just the beginning. Now they. They, now what you know what yeah. I mean but it turns out that that wasn't part of it that uh the director I'm forgetting his name because I have the worst aphasia ever but mm-hmm. um he he called cut so the actors let go of the hands and they just like stared out the window but that you know the 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 emotion of like now what or the emotion of like okay now we have like the rest of our lives to figure this shit out yeah um I don't know it, it it takes it past yeah yeah Mike Nichols right it takes it it takes it beyond. It creates a, a moment of reality. Right. And I you would know, say that is, is a, more relatable. And I would say that is a gorgeous transition into the housewives of the North Pole. So we're zooming away from the early 2000s and we are now in real time 2021 with a Peacock movie that I believe took them five hours to shoot. <laughs> Four and a half. Called the Housewives of the North Pole. It's not called the Real Housewives of the North Pole. So I wonder if that was like copyright, but it's called the Housewives of the North Pole. So I probably said the Real Housewives earlier because that's just what I think. You corrected yourself. Yeah. So it's the Housewives of the North Pole. And um, so to give a quick recap, do not watch this movie. (laughs) It is the worst movie I've ever seen. It is... uh, pure gold not even gold I mean it's just like it's such distilled nonsense it it's just crazy so um but anyway it's it's a peacock which you know we've thought about peacock blah, blah, blah. it's on peacock Kyle Richards is starring in it with some other woman do not know her and a bunch of other people you've never seen before who've never acted in any movie ever before and it's an hour 24 minutes of time and um self-hatred <laughs> it's basically about these two women who live in North Pole, 
Vermont, which is revealed like at the end of the movie. Um, and they're like compete, they're best friends and they're competing to design their house the best for like the holiday walk, like decorate it crazy. And then their children have been mortal enemies since they were children, but now they're in love. Stupid. Okay. Stupid. But lots to talk about in terms of the reality universe entering the scripted rom-com universe and which came first chicken or the egg symbiosis blah 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 but what i wanted to start with is that the movie starts in 2007 which is of course the kind of era of the birth of the housewives franchise orange county was 2006 new york was 2008 and again love actually was 2003 and Holiday was 2006. So once again, even those movies now, we're still, we're being reminded that this is the era that Christmas movies came to fruition in. And yeah, basically this movie takes all the themes from Real Housewives, like about like divorce and like a feud and just makes a movie out of it. And there's lots of self-referential stuff, but um, yeah, I have lots to say about it, but Phoebe, why don't you tell me your thoughts so far? No, you should just go take it away. Take it away, Gemma. Okay, well, what I wanted to talk to you about was um, this kind of, okay, so the location feels interesting to me because it starts as this like kind of fictional, you know, the f- I mean, the North Pole is not a fictional place, but in Christmas movies, it's like where Santa's workshop is, right? It's like, it's the little Muppets, those little, and those little claymation videos, like that's where those all take place. Um, so it's Housewives of the North Pole. So you're like, okay, so it's it, it's it's dinging your brain to be like, oh, Real Housewives of the North Pole, like it's a new franchise, like it's a new location. Um, because as we know, like all Housewives franchises are based on location. And there's something that like reminded me of like Salt Lake City with it, because it was like when Salt Lake mm. City came up, people were like, what? how are you going to make a real housewives in Salt Lake City? So there was kind of like an uncanniness with like the location being the North Pole. But the weird thing is that the movie, they start with this magical location and then they bring it back to it being rooted in the real world. And they say, oh, this is North Pole, Vermont. But it takes them a long time to say that. And they also like reference like, at the beginning, I was like, okay, so the North Pole is upstate New York because they were like, oh, she comes from the city. <laughs> um, so that, I just like the location thing like felt very strange to me. <laughs> it's even like the capital of Vermont. Burlington, I think. But yeah, she comes from the, the big city of Burlington. <laughs> um, and then there's a lot of like weird referential stuff to it. Like, so like there is a reporter in the movie who's from American life, which seems to be a pretty obvious reference to this American life, but it's not like Ira Glass at all, but it's like a media outlet. And like, she's supposed to be writing a story and her boss is this very Andy Cohen, like conniving little gay character <laughs> who's and telling her to get the drama. And he's directing a the camera to get villain. the angles. A queer-coded villain. Once again, a queer-coded <laughs> villain. <laughs> um, and 
So yeah, there's like a lot of like weird half-baked references to stuff, but like, you know, I don't know. I, you, you go for a little bit. I think one of the strangest things was <laughs> the first, and like, I'll have to watch it again, but in the first scene, I could have sworn that Kyle Richards' daughter was Asian. I think Kyle Richards is supposed to be Latinx. I know, I know, but I could have sworn that the daughter was Asian. Yeah, she did. And it was going to be look- one of those, it was going to be one of those like super woke movies where she was like adopted because obviously yeah. her husband wasn't Asian. So I was like, okay. But then as you see the daughter grow up, the daughter looks extremely Latina and she's played Wait, by you're Latina. right. The little girl daughter was Asian. She's Asian. <laughs> And then as she grows up, the daughter is played by like a, a Latina actress. Okay, so and Kyle is like, the- our family is the Riveras. And you're like, you're not Latino. What? Okay, so what Vivi's saying, like this, this makes it actually more, sh- more shocking. Yeah. The first scene is like a flashback to 2007, like I mentioned. And there's a, there's the little kids, like their children are with them, but they're like five years old. And this little girl is a little Asian girl. And then the older <laughs> actress is a Latina actress and Kyle Richards is a Latina mom. <laughs> she's supposed to be. She's not in real life. And her husband isn't either. They're just like very but in white. real life. Maurizio is white. Hispanic. Maurizio is Mexican and Jewish. Well, I know, but well, yeah. Yeah. And Kyle Richards is Jewish, but like she also grew up not Jewish. So loves Christmas. But um, no, it was very weird. I think that they were like, and like the, the reporter is black, the only black person in the movie. Um, and the uh, queer coded villain is not white, racially ambiguous, but not, yeah. not white. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it was just like, it was weird because they were like trying to be woke, I guess. But then it was just like, why would you change the racial identity of your child and like, like if I could understand if the kid was like Latina, if the dad was like Maurizio and yeah. was Mexican or from any other part of Central or South America. Right. But like, it, it was, I don't know. It was just that. So that really struck me. And that was like something that no one ever touched upon. That also, if Kyle Richards was supposed to be playing the Latina family, like, wouldn't you think that they'd be like, they're obviously the only Latina family in the town of North Pole, Vermont. So you would think that like <laughs> that would have something to do with something, but it, but it wasn't like not, not at all. It was just the Asian child grows up to be a Latina adolescent. Very. With two white parents. Also, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go a little cuckoo on this one. Cause I, I took some notes. I wanted to talk about this felt important to me. I might be wrong. <laughs> did the da vinci cookie not feel important to you <laughs> every there are so many weird the, okay so the, the woman who's opposite kyle <clears throat> is an artist i'm doing big fat air quotes all right this bitch is inspiration okay okay wait wait i can't even okay it's too much it's too much going on okay she makes a lot of representational okay. christmas stuff that's like about our paintings <laughs> oh yeah she makes she makes um the snowman that's uh why i have aphasia now too you gave me aphasia van gogh van gogh van <laughs> snow 
Van Snowman. Van Snowman. She takes an ear off the snowman. Crazy. And then there's a scene where she's she's like rendered true to life the Mona Lisa on sugar cookies. (laughs) Which is honestly her biggest artistic achievement of the whole movie. But I felt like that was like, I was like, oh, there's something like art imitates life representation eating the Mona Lisa. (laughs) Maybe. But then but then in the movie, I mean, maybe you're onto something. I think those cookies were incredibly impressive, <laughs> you know, but she's an artist and her, you know, it for for to make a living. No, she does not make art imitates life cookies. No, she does not make um, snowmen. Tell us what she makes, like, baby. She makes very large scale, extremely large scale acrylic paintings of reindeer. <laughs> I'm honestly speechless. The reindeer, <laughs> so my last bad. note, my so last bad. note, swear to God, my last note says, the reindeer, I do not understand. <laughs> yeah, Jim, no, the reindeer are about the miracle of Christmas because actually like they're caribou because they live. Also, Vermont is not, can you see the Northern Lights in Vermont? I, probably North enough. I don't fucking know. I don't think Vermont is. But Vermont definitely probably has reindeer. I mean, they're talking. No, no, but there's also a part in it about Northern Lights. They're just sitting on a park bench looking at the Northern Lights. I know, I know. The movie is full of fucking nonsense. I'm going to see. But the. Okay, but the reindeer thing. She paints reindeer. They're her inspiration. I am not joking, you people. The last scene of this movie is a herd of CGI reindeer followed by a hot, hot man. He brought them. He's holding his hat like he's a goddamn forest ranger and he's not in uniform he's just like in a hot outfit and he's walking down he's walking this herd of cgi reindeer through the streets of the neighborhood clomp 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 everyone's looking over oh my god and the movie and every character is trying to cry and not doing a good job <laughs> fake crying. and it is i mean it's really branded it's pretty funny um but yes, the the reindeer are the presence of Christmas miracle. But I, they never fleshed out why is her inspiration reindeer? Because because the reindeer. Because they never year. see them. No, Gemma, you obviously <laughs> didn't watch the. Was movie. it an environmental comment? <laughs> yes, it was because the reindeer every year go through North Pole, and that's one of the reasons the reporter wanted to come is the reindeer there, but. For the last couple of years, the reindeer haven't come, and no one knows why. Because of global warming? No one, well, that's what you would assume. But so then, uh, Kyle Richards' friend slash enemy, Diana, whose name is Diana, like Athena, like rain, like head of the whatever, the moon and the, and the wilderness and the, the arch, um, she calls the wildlife man who shows up the wildlife man shows up and he goes i realize that the reindeer haven't come because of an avalanche right that they can't circumvent right 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 right, right. circumscape circum walk walk around it they don't know how to walk around the avalanche stupid reindeer so right so it was just like but it but okay but Something that I did actually, besides it being a really dumb movie, was something I noticed mm-hmm. in all the movies we've watched. And again, it was The Housewives of the North Pole, The Holiday, and Love Actually, was like Sex in the City and like 
the Real Housewives franchise, there is this like pick and choose quality. Mm-hmm. There's so many different stories going on yes, and so many yes. different facets of love and relationship. Very important to the form of these. That no matter who you are, you can, it's like a tag yourself, you know? So in Houses of the North Pole, it was about platonic friendship mm-hmm. and love, which was Diana and Trish. And then there was uh, the divorcee with the budding romance, non-physical, relegated mm-hmm. to the realm of fantasy, which was uh, Diana and wilderness hunk. But then there was budding young love of their children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the husbands were absent. Totally absent. You know? And one of them, because he left her for someone with big boobs, apparently, and they're in St. Lucia. Uh, <laughs> like, What? Very strange. I didn't know people in Vermont were this like insanely wealthy also. And then- um, They're not. <laughs> it's it's very strange. But then um, Kyle Richards' husband is on a business trip in London. Right. He's getting uh, the account. And there's actually this really funny scene where they're like FaceTiming and he's he, they're like having an emotional conversation. You just see this like butler standing behind him pouring him champagne. Yeah, that was killing me. And she's she's like, we have no money. I'm like, but you have are staying in a hotel where there's a butler. Anyway, so it was it was just like it was it was hilarious and it was it was fantastic. It was hilarious. It was incredible. It was it was all the all the words. But but right, but there was like this big pick and choose quality to it that was uh multi-generational that I actually thought um you know it, the holiday it's a different type of pick and choose because everyone's the same age mm-hmm. and love actually there's no like people there's no like college graduates no it's all like but it's just it's people who live all these different walks of life right exactly but it was like this intergenerational pick and choose yes. in the north yeah. pole which I thought was yeah fascinating Yes, so I can I can see that. that, and I mean, Portia uh, Umansky, Kyle's daughter. She, she was the Girl Scout with the braces. So cute. Oh yeah. Oh my God, the Girl Scouts. Oh yeah, Troop Nine. Right. Oh my God, like- and then they had an Asian family over for charades. So I was like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> I was like, is, are they related? Are they supposed to be related? Are they the cousins? Like what? I don't know. The racial stuff just like. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Maybe I'll cut that part out. It was, it was confounding to me. Um, but, you know, there was all these, there was all these moments of this, which were like, I mean, pretty obviously taking all these themes from Real Housewives, but, you know, like Kyle Richards, we've seen her on Beverly Hills. How many times have we seen every season we get a scene of Kyle planning her white party with her poor party planner, Glenn, forcing him to like dance circles to get like the neon lights up at the top of her house. And we see her doing the same thing with like her trying to decorate her house for Christmas and telling this, you know, faceless worker to get the Santa on the top of the tree. So, you know, we get that reference, you know, Kyle, we know about Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump's infamous feud you know that ended a friendship so that's kind goodbye, of happening Kyle <laughs> there's goodbye Kyle there's um, goodbye Kyle <laughs> this strange website this fictional website American Life has like Raider online energy um and uh you know there's like there's there's cameos by housewives and like uh Lisa Barlow and Karen Huger and Cynthia Bailey and um 
the townspeople are so, kind of positioned as the fans. Like they're kind of like, like Trish and Diane have this big fight, very public, big fight. And then all the townspeople are like the Real Housewives fans being like, did you hear about Trish and Diane? Like, I heard this happen. No, I heard this happen. Like everybody's, they're kind of, they're the famous people in their town. Um, they're like very well known. So there was all these kind of funny um really easy obviously like they weren't breaking the mold in any ways but for some reason I just find it I just feel like we I guess I guess this is the first time we've seen them make like a movie that's that directly referencing it because it's kind of like okay so is the drama fabric because people always get mad about reality tv and they're like well is it scripted and it's like you know it's not really the point and also like housewives is like you know sure everyone has a storyline but it's like what happens when those storylines like are crafted into much less interesting storylines for like a really low budget movie you know right and reality tv wouldn't be as good as it was if it was scripted i'll tell you that much these women cannot act but also i think that kyle (laughs) kyle richards i think like probably has some type of deal with peacock because she did halloween kills and then real housewife or real housewives ultimate girls trip and then housewives of the north pole yeah she's killing it i mean good for kyle no but but it's all on peacock I know, I know. She must have, she must have signed with that, or maybe she has an agent. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird because it's like everything keeps coming out and it's all on Peacock. Yeah, she's um, a big Peacock girl. I bet she's, I bet she's optioning a show for her family or something. Yeah, I think she's for. I don't know. She's doing something, and I, I but, but yeah, it's it's all on Peacock because it's like you would think that it would even be like Hallmark Channel. Well, the Hilton Sue Paris and Love. Oh my God, I bet they're, I bet they're optioning a Kyle oh. Richards sisters. Because you know that that's what uh, they were they were originally, I think, approached by E, yeah. Kim and Kyle Richards to do like a show about like the family, but they were going to position it as like, this is Paris. These are Paris Hilton's aunts. But yeah. that's what Kyle was saying is the reason that she chose to do Real Housewives with Bravo was so she could be more of her own person. Yeah. Since we know she's her, she's an actress. Yes. Um, there was also a, a strong presence of iPads in this movie. <laughs> I know it's like are I know I'm like are we is it 2013 like what's going on here like watching people watch the whole movie it Um, was really oh my god and then when the kids are like we're gonna go to Africa and teach the children how to speak English oh my god it's like when uh, Katie Thurston, we've talked yeah. about this before, but it's my Katie Thurston, who's ex-fiance Blake. Uh, he was a bachelorette, worst bachelorette in history. Everyone hated her. Well, no, but he was like, he like works in an unnamed African country. So like a podcast person was like, all right, Katie, can you name three African countries? And she couldn't do it. Yeah. She couldn't do it. It's and people were like, oh, she got nervous. And I'm like, I, I don't care how nervous you are. Yeah. South Africa. First of all, <laughs> yeah, Egypt, Mozambique. Um, anyway, right. I could go on. I can probably do like ten or fifteen. Well, and you know, to to like kind of close out, you know, it made me think about like the Kardashians. They love Christmas. Okay, they love it. Yeah, and their reunions used to be Christmas specials. Remember? Yep. And the they beginning? always have a huge Christmas party. Courtney always has like five trees. You know, it's really like. And Courtney also loves Halloween. Courtney is just a vapid person. So she only has a personality based on like holidays in the United States. I calendar. <laughs> I love that. Like, she's such an idiot. I know G-Cal. She she's like, what's like, coming up in G-Cal? Well, I mean, the United States really is a, um, 
the church and state are irreparably sealed. Right. So, so the United States really at its core is a Christian nation. And that's even our time. That's how we, you know, that's, that's what our, like, G, like Christmas is at the end of the year, Christmas vacation. Yeah. Um, Hanukkah and the Jewish holidays are always at different points in the year because it's, it's not the same calendar that we use. It's like the, 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 the Jew calendar. Right. Um, <laughs> I think we're On this episode, like, Phoebe like... and Gemma talk about the Jew calendar. <laughs> so it's like some crazy year in the Jewish calendar. <laughs> It's like always like 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 thousands of years ahead of of the year we're living in right now. <laughs> Sorry, um, but yeah, I mean Kyle Richards, convert Jewish queen, truly. She um, bridges the gap. She really bridges that. that but yeah, gap. you know, uh, all these things are just they're just fun to connect them. Cause like, like you said, it's not even that hard. Once you start looking for these crossovers, they're everywhere. Oh, the Frappuccino. Because oh, yes, this is part, the major thing. The, the, the thing that I realized about the holiday is that uh, Jack Black hands Kate Winslet a Frappuccino, classic LA drink, which yeah. is like, really is like, this is 2006. Oh my um, God, <laughs> and then in the, um, one of like the main, uh, uh, moment, one of the main uh, conflict moments in uh, Housewives of the North Pole is Kyle Richards throws a frappuccino into the other woman's face. Which also, long history of housewives throwing drinks at each other's face. But that's also, you know, that's it's also just like a funny moment because on Real Housewives, uh, Lisa Rinna and yeah. then Elaine, or what's her name? Whatever her name was. Eileen. Eileen. They were both from Days of Our Lives, mm-hmm. um, and the, the 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 bad and the beautiful, whatever it's called, the bold and the beautiful, <laughs> the bold and the beautiful. That's Denise Richards too, yeah. Right. So you have these soap actresses, and um, and Eileen is famous for being a villain, you know, daytime Emmy winner for being a villain on I think the Days of Our Lives or Young and the Restless or something like that. Young and the Restless is what she I think she wins. She won. Right. Anyway, but there's this big conflict in her first season with Brandy Glanville because Brandy is like, do do something, make a conflict, make a conflict. And Eileen is like, no, that's literally my character. I'm not like that in real life. And then Brandy throws a glass of wine in her face and is like, react do it, react. And Eileen is like, what the fuck? So I think that that's also like, you get you get in that moment, like the reality and the fiction and throw the drink in the face. How do you react to that when it's IRL? But this is why I prefer reality television to like Love Actually or to like the rom-coms because it's like, it's because these movies try to be about crazy things. Like, how crazy is it that like, he meets the Portuguese woman and that he learns Portuguese? Like, that's, that's my so favorite storyline. <laughs> but then you like watch like one episode of like Salt Lake City and you're like, oh my God, these women are literal lunatics. Like, yeah. there's nothing more insane than this. You can't make this up. But there's such a crossover between fans of those kind of movies and fans of like trashy reality TV. Yeah, I mean, I think that it has to do about these shows being in the realm of fantasy, of female fantasy. Yeah. And I think on the, you know what I mean? And like in a part of you wanting to be those type of women. Yeah. But they're, you know, but then a part of you kind of making fun of them or making fun of the genre. Right. 
So precisely. Anyway. Anyway, it's all about wish fulfillment and fantasy. Putting the fan in fantasy. Happy holidays. Um, you can listen to this when you're getting a little tired of whoever you're around. Take a little break. Take a nice little break. Yeah. Or you can just listen to it with the family. Laugh it out. Um, you know, just just take a second. Go watch Real Housewives of Miami. And do not watch Housewives of the North Pole. <laughs> do, do not. not under, under any, any circumstances. circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> do not. Um, XOXO. Money can't buy you class. (laughs) Bye. Bye. What do I want for Christmas? What is it gonna be? What's gonna magically appear beneath the Christmas tree? What's gonna give me joy hanging with all the boys? That's always nice to do. But what do I want for Christmas? Just you. It's that Cartier watch or that Tiffany bracelet or maybe it's just a Chanel bag. What do I want for Christmas? What am I dreaming of? What's gonna make my heart explode and overflow with love? If I could have my wish, life would be full of dish diamonds and parties too. But what do I want for Christmas? Just you. Jimmy Choo high heel pumps. Oh, what I really love is red hot Ferrari. Holiday times for dreaming, all the fun things to plan. Yachting and golf streaming, circling the globe until we find the perfect man. What do I want for Christmas? Christmas, what do I want for Christmas? Just you.